My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Welcome, welcome. It's, it's been great during the summer. Pastor James will be back and preaching next week, so we fully welcome him back, and we're excited that he's had some rest. And I'll tell you, you give James a little rest, and he's humming. And so he's excited to be back with us, and we are too. But it's been a summer where you've heard our staff. Shane preached a week. Taylor, we got to see Taylor for five weeks. I'll introduce these two folks that are pastors on our staff. But we handed out our vision sheet. And, and so this is, it's 46 words that are pretty profound up to eternity. And it's through a biblical filter. And so uh, here's what I'm asking you guys. As I ask the staff and myself, take personal ownership of this. I carry it around. I pray it. I look at it. I look at my love for God. How's it doing, right? I look at my love for others. Do I have a passion and a compassion for people? Am I leading someone in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, right? How am I doing making disciples, right? How am I doing helping people connect into our process? So it might sound corny, but I live with this thing, and I pray it all the time because this is the biblical vision that God, the Bible, Jesus Christ has given Sunrise Church. And I think it's leading to a season where, honestly, I want to say this the right way, I've never been part of a body that's thriving so much. And a thriving church, and a thriving church looks up, right? We've got to love God first. And a thriving church looks out, and we have to have this heart of compassion for those that are far from God, whoever they are, whatever they're struggling with, right? And then a thriving church looks in, and it equips its leaders to go out and do that. So I want to introduce you guys to a couple of our leaders, and you may know them, excuse me, but I want you to know them better. This is Brandon. He does, he's been here how long, Brandon? About nine months, and I've known him uh, for probably about a year and a half now, and he does pastoral and life coaching, and he's very good at it. He's helping our staff tremendously grow, and then he does life coaching. Uh, And so uh, Brandon is, uh, I met him quite a while ago, and he'll share a little bit, but he had an accident where his neck was severely damaged, I would say broken, and he's been in this process of going from being paralyzed to Serving a little bit at sunrise. To, you know what I mean? He's taking steps, just like we're asking you guys to take. And he'll be sitting down today. And I'm a hugger, so you know I'm not touching him. We can't touch him, right? Because he's healing. That's really hard for me. But uh, I want to uh, tell you that I, I live my life with these two guys and the staff. So I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're here. I can't wait for them to hear your heart. He's doing this beautiful, intensive discipleship for college-age men. God's put it on his heart, and you're going to hear about it. And so I want to, can we welcome Brandon? 
This is Francis. He's doing the Indian campus. Uh, those of you that know his story, we started Skyping quite a while ago when he was in Florida. And he was drawn to this church and the vision and what's happening and you guys. And so he packed up his family and left Florida to come to here to be part of what God's doing to reach your heart for the Indians and the multicultural and ethnic in Hillsboro. And, and right now, God, we're sorry we're not paying you very much right now. But it was amazing that his work, a secular job, let him work here, him and his wife, remotely to be part of this plan. So... Francis, man, I love you. I'm excited to hear from you. So these are our two guys. I'm going to sit down. You guys always hear from me. I want you to hear different voices, and they're going to kind of grab two pieces of our vision. And so we're going to open in prayer with uh, Brandon. God of all truth and supreme love and limitless authority. It's because of Jesus, the Christ, that we come to you today by faith. And Lord, we don't come to you at all because you need anything from us, Lord. We need you completely, God. We're desperate for you, Lord. We're humbly posturing our hands up to you. Our knees are bowed and we're saying, we need you, Lord. Lord, we're acknowledging, Lord, that you're the fountain, Lord, that provides all of our life, and we're incredibly thirsty for you, Lord. If we're not thirsty, help us to understand we need to be thirsty for you, Jesus. Lord, we're acknowledging, Lord, that you're the bread of life and that we cannot do it without you, God. So it, just give us an insatiable appetite to be hungry for your word, to be hungry for your knowledge, to be hungry for your purposes, to be in our hearts and for us to live that out, God. Lord, we're often so inattentive to your counsel, Lord, but we want to be attentive to your counsel. Help us to be intentional, Lord, to the things that matter most to your heart, God. We're so weak and incredibly needy, God, and you're strong and incredibly mighty and powerful, and help us to acknowledge that today, God. We need you to be a part of everything we're doing. We can't do it without you, God. So we invite you into this moment. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. Man, I love Jesus. <laughs> Isn't Jesus good? <laughs> Isn't he so, you can clap for Jesus. I mean, isn't he good? He's so amazing. He's so good. I mean, think about your life and all the things that he's done for you. The places that he's taken you out of, that he's moved you through. Man, it's an honor to be able to sit before you for Pastor Kevin and Pastor James to just provide this opportunity to spend some time in the word. And man, I just want to jump in right in our vision and spend some time on our mission and talking about the Great Commission. It's, an, it's so important. And so, man, if we can put that up on the screen, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And I'm going to be talking about it from the ESV version. Um, if we can pull that up on the screen right now. Oh, it's right there. Sorry. And so, man, this is a powerful verse. And, and if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're new to church, man, here's what we can all really get behind, right? So this is the end of the Gospels. Out of the three of the four Gospels, this is Jesus' last words. I mean, what we all can relate to is how many of you have had the, I call it a sweet joy, 
to be able to walk with maybe a, a mom or a, grand, a grandpa or someone who's getting ready to meet Jesus and go to eternity, and you've had those last words with them. Anybody had those sweet moments, right? It's a beautiful time. You really savor those moments, and you're intentional, and you're listening, and you're trying to really capture those last moments. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, his last words, his last directives. He spent three years teaching and preaching and healing and unveiling who he is, but him in his infinite wisdom chose these words to be the last words, to be the lasting words for us to interact with. That's good news, right? That's something that we need to, we need to think deeply about, right? So we're going to look at that, and it says, um, <clears throat> and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, isn't that good news? So in, in this verse, man, we get our entire directive and of a posture of our hearts. When God saved us, he didn't save us just for us to sit and to only worship him by being thankful, but it, we're supposed to move in that thankfulness into a posture of sacrificing our lives. The first directive he gives us is to go, right? Go requires effort. Are you, are you using that effort? Are you moving in your life? Are you going? But here's, here, here's, here's something that's really beautiful. Go and make. Make requires intentionality. When you're making something and you're crafting something and you're designing something, that requires a different level of intentionality. We serve a God of great intentionality. We see it pervasively all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? I mean, we get these beautiful things like in Exodus chapter 27 where he's prescribing how we're going to build the tabernacle and he gives all these, all these intricate details in Exodus chapter 27 of, of each and every little measurement because he's, he's a God of the details. He's a God of intentionality. He's a God that has prescribed a specific way he wants me and for you to worship him. Are you being active as a disciple who makes disciples in your life? I want you to wrestle with that right now. Are you making disciples who makes disciples in your life? Are we being intentional about that? He wants us to go. He wants us to make. He wants us to teach. But how do we do these things like teach? You know, sometimes we can overthink it and we can think about teaching like, you know, I'm not equipped enough to teach. I don't know the word enough to teach. But how many know, man, God is not, he doesn't need you to have a seminary degree. He's not looking for you to know every single Bible verse. What he's after is your heart. So what, part of being a disciple is, man, you have to be radical. Radical in your, what does radical even mean, right? We use words like that. What does it mean to be radical? Radical is, is to be exhaustive in something. It means supreme thoroughness in how you are approaching something. If I'm going to be radical in my devotion to a sports or a basketball game, that means I'm going to be super intentional. I'm going to give it everything that I have. I'm going to make sure that I leave nothing, nothing unturned, right? We want to be radical with our time. So often when I think about radical sacrifice and radical time, we often think about it as a person being discipled. We're asking them to give up their life. Give up your life. Die to yourself. But as the disciple maker, as the mature believer, are you challenging yourself into that same radical devotion to give up your time? Are you doing that? 
That's a question I have to ask myself every day. Am I doing that for God's people? You know, I get, I get this wonderful opportunity to spend time with college students in the small group at um, Pastor Kevin's house, and it's, and it's amazing. We have so many great young men and young women, and let me just tell you something. You guys know this about college students, right? Man, they're, they're, they're night owls, right? They don't even start talking and humming until like 9.45 at night, you know? And, I, and I'm still a very physically broken person, so it's a challenge every single time. But sometimes I get the most beautiful, sweet moments with our college students at 10.45 at night, text message, you know, or 11.15, my phone will ding, and it'll be just this amazing, uh, almost like a whole essay that, that I'll get about what they're wrestling with and what they're struggling with in their hearts. Man, I have decisions in those moments, balancing all things, right? But I have a moment. I can respond, or I can try to make them fit into my schedule, you know, or I can make it about me and say, well, you know, meet me at five in the morning for coffee, and that's how I'm going to see if you're really going to be intentional about your life, or I can lay my life down, <laughs> I can lay my life down and I can say, man, in this moment, God, your son, your daughter is wrestling. The accuser is real. They're hurting. They're broken. They don't see themselves the way I see them, the way you see them, God. This wrestle is a good and it's a right and it's a true thing. You're strengthening them for the war. But right now, they're broken and I want to meet them in that brokenness. And it just takes a moment to say, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Things like that. That's what it means to go. It means to open your life. It means to be present. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? Part of being a disciple is to be radically intentional with how you're humble, your posture of humility. None of us knows everything. That's good news. We should find comfort in that. That's really good news. Is, is that good news? We, we, don't, oh, I was just, we don't know everything, right? God, but, but we serve a God that does. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That should provide us rest. That's our, that's our rest. Man, God on, in heaven, who knows all things, who is supremely weaving this story of redemption, you're just using me. Are you available to be used? You know, this verse has so much packed into it. It's like, really, you could do a whole series on it. You know, I just want to spend a little bit of time on also on behold, right? Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. When I see that behold, or in the King James Version, says low, or think, or think about this, or pay attention to this, or be reminded of this. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. To me, that's the fuel of the verse. That's the fuel. For those of us who have been tested, Who's, who have been through different types of suffering, that's the good news. I, that we can, that's our message. God is with us always to the end of the age. Man, I don't know, if, some, if you ever feel like, I don't know how to disciple, I don't know where to start. Man, start here. God is with you always to the end of the age. God is with you through your storms. God is with you when you're weak physically. He's with you when your marriage is falling apart. He's with you when, you, when your mom or your dad leaves, um, young person, and you're struggling with conceptualizing what a divorce means. He's with you when you lose your house and your mortgage and, and everything that you've worked so hard for, men, and, 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 and everything, your identity's been wrapped up in this dream and you lost it and you feel ashamed when you look at your wife and your children, but he's with you always to the end of the age. That's your power. That's the good news. That's our hope. 
man, we have to get excited about that. We have to move from sitting in church and, and hearing God's word, and now we, we need to go. We need to go make disciples. Man, we, we, we are a part of an amazing church here at Sunrise. Me and my wife, every time, we're from California, and every time we sit here, we're like, wow, it is such a blessing. The community and the small groups, and there are so many things that God has opened the door for. But we're moving into a season. We have the discipleship conference coming up, and Pastor James is getting ready to open up so many things. We're moving into this season where we're going to be challenging you, like God is challenging myself, to be radical in your intentionality one soul at a time. Go make disciples one at a time. Go share that God is with you to the end of the age one soul at a time. Who's that young man? Who's that woman? in your life. I need you to think about it right now. I need you to be with me in this moment. Who is that person? You know their name. You've seen them. It's time to move. But here's, here's another beautiful mystery that happens just a couple of verses before, if we can pull that up. So we, we often focus on verses 18 through 20, but I, man, I find so much hope in verse 16. And it says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, this is Jesus, they worshiped him. They worshiped him, right? Well, we get why they worshiped him. <laughs> he had been walking for two and a half, three years doing all these amazing miracles. And more amazing than the miracles was the depth of his teaching. It was a type of teaching they had never heard before. In fact, the teaching was so different, so heavenly that so many people gave their lives to this radical mission. They, they had seen him die on a cross. There, more than 400 people were gathered in this moment because they had seen him rise from the dead. Can you imagine being there in that moment? Man, I had the opportunity to be a youth pastor in California, and, and sometimes I would share with them the, the word of God. Let's just be honest. I just want to be real with you. Sometimes it's like, man, it feels kind of boring, and, and I, I, want it to be, I want it to be fresh and alive all the time, and I get, I'm like a little kid throwing a temper tantrum, I'm like, oh God, it feels so stale today, but man, if you could just take a moment to imagine, you've watched this man walk the earth, he's healing people, he's, he's teaching in a way you've never heard before, and then your heart breaks, he's been crucified, he's died, You're, you've lost all hope, the disciples, they were right there, they lost hope, so you know I would have lost, I know I would have lost hope, I don't know about you, but you know, man, I would have lost hope, and then he comes back, and He's showing the holes in his wrist and, and where he was pierced. And now he's sitting here and he's sharing this message. Of course, they worshiped him. But here, here's where I find, for me, some hope. And some doubt it. After all of that, and some doubt it. How many of you struggle with doubt sometimes? Oh, let me ask you one more time because, man, I need to see almost every single hand go up. How, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, wait. How many of you at times struggle with doubt in your life? <laughs> oh, okay. I was just, because, oh, man, I need to be discipled by you because <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> man, but how did Jesus respond to that? Did he, he recognized the doubt. He didn't, it, it doesn't say, and some doubted, and then Jesus bowed his head and walked back down the mountain discouraged. I, I don't know that verse. It didn't say that some doubted, and then, he, and then he ridiculed them and said that they should have had, you, oh, ye of little faith. That's not what the verse says. It says that, 
Um, it says that, and when, he saw, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came and said to them, in the midst of your doubt, you got to move. Therefore, you have doubt, go, therefore, and make disciples. You want to work through your doubt? Go make disciples. You want to see that I'm mighty? Go make disciples. You want to see that I'm faithful to you? Go. You got to go. You got to take an action. You got to take a leap of faith to see that I'm going to be faithful in your life. Isn't that good news? What, what's your doubt right now that's stopping you from being intentional and radical in your pursuit to love an individual soul with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength? That's the two greatest commandments, to love God in that way and to love your neighbor as yourself. What's that doubt? For me, man, doubt's a very real thing. Just, just, really, just really briefly. In 2012, I went to see a chiropractor, and it didn't go well. My brainstem was compromised. Within a week, I had lost the ability to pretty much talk, walk. My lovely wife had to take care of every single one of my needs, from changing me, to showering me, to feeding me, everything. I spent most of my time in hospitals away from my son who's here today, and this is a redemptive day for us, and he was three years old when all this happened, and everything was lost. Even this moment, I still have preparation just to get dressed over an hour with my wife helping me. I have a lot of doubt about being on this stage right now. I don't need to be put all together. This is, man, can I do this? Can, I, can my voice carry, Lord? Can I really, can I, can I lead people in the word after all that I've been through? Who am I to lead a college group? Am I going to be able to make it every Wednesday? Sometimes my body says no. What's your doubt? Maybe yours is shame. Some of us have some difficulty in our past, and that shame makes us feel like we can't do it because, man, we're not worthy. But this is Jesus' response to, to your past. This is Jesus' response to your physical suffering because there's some people who are struggling physically. How many of you right now have some, come on, listen, can we be a family? How many of us have some physical challenges in here? Yeah. I, man, man, look around. That was so many hands. Man, our bodies are dying, right? And they make us feel like we can't do things. But in the midst of that, Jesus says, go, therefore, I'm going to be with you always. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's good news. I think after this wonderful um, exposition by Pastor Brandon, and I feel like I should just go straight to prayer. You know? <laughs> but I've been assigned three parts uh, to give an update about the Indian ministry we have and about our heart uh, to, lead, to reach the, the last, the least, and the lost, and then a gospel invitation for you. Uh, so I'll give an update about our Indian ministry. You know, Brandon talked about uh, being teachable. To me, I've realized that uh, you, can't, you, cannot, you cannot be a disciple without being teachable. I remember uh, the days when I was uh, saved, came to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. I longed uh, to have someone disciple me, and I just couldn't find anyone. And I was uh, very unteachable, too. Maybe that was the, the real issue. <laughs> so after stumbling and failing and falling, uh, I sought uh, teachers and mentors, uh, godly people who would uh, take, uh, you know, who would disciple me and mentor me. And as, as I was sl started slowly growing, I realized that a growing as a disciple means you have to pursue others too. And Jesus pursued others. And this is our story uh, as for our Indian campus. 
is uh, in the year 2016, uh, people had been praying for us. Uh, we were still living in Florida, and uh, Brad Butcher had been praying for us. He was pursuing us, and uh, Brad, and after Brad, uh, Pastor Kevin had been pursuing us. You know, discipleship can happen anywhere. It happened all via Skype, believe it or not. Video Skype, we were praying together. We were having a gospel, scripture, meditation via Skype. Uh, it was wonderful. So we had that moment in 2016 where we saw this was the, the place God was leading us to, to Sunrise Church. And then we wrestled with it. Just like Brandon had talked about, I wrestled with doubt. Is this the place God wanted us to go? But it was just not us. People were praying for us. And that moment came when we said, Lord, we are going to step out in faith. And today you'll be challenged to step out just a little bit out from your seats, out in faith. And so we made the huge trip with all our family, all the way from Florida, to, from the East Coast to West Coast, Northwest Hillsboro, Oregon. Today in our uh, Indian ministry, we have a small group that meets every Sunday. We have about uh, eight to nine families regularly meeting uh, for fellowship and uh, discipleship every Sunday. Uh, many times we have a guest uh, visiting us. And last Sunday, believe it or not, uh, we are so diverse, we had a, a gentleman from Korea visit us. God's bringing people from all over the world here. And last night we heard that we had some Kenyans here. And our small group serves together with our ministry. Uh, we have served Light My Way campus. We have served downtown homeless with uh, Brother Paul Schramm here. And uh, we also, I also disciple a couple of men one-on-one. -on -one. And this is the discipleship uh, class or the retreat that uh, Pastor Kevin had been talking about on September 21st, uh, going through this book. And believe it or not, we're also starting our first Indian campus gathering September 15th, 14th. God's doing things. <laughs> so please pray for us as we begin this new journey, as we're starting to make new disciples, but also make disciples who make disciples. And transitioning to the heart if you look at the bottom of your page in the vision statement, you'll see our heart is to reach the least, the last, and the lost. And if you see, there's a verse there from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It talks about the, the ultimate act of servant leadership. You know, disciple-making is simply servant leadership. What you see here is, it says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, let me set up a little context for this. As I was reading this whole chapter and this section here, what struck me was amazing. You know, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he is on his way to Jerusalem for not some great things. He is on his way to Jerusalem for what? He was going to be hung on a cross. And this is the third time he tells his disciples, by the way, fellows, I am going there to be flogged and mocked and treated shamefully, and, one, and that day I, that I will be crucified. They will crucify me. And somehow the disciples just don't seem to get this. 
You know, they were arguing among themselves. You know what they were arguing? He's saying, Peter, I'm better than you. It's almost like they were saying, you know, I can pray better than you. You know, I can do things better than you. I'm closer to Jesus. You know, John was close to Jesus, right? Or Peter was always the, the spokesman. He would always be the first man to say something. So as they were arguing among themselves, one were saying, you know, they were saying, who is the better of us? And but even to go a little further, James and John have this very strange request. So they come to Jesus and ask him, Jesus, when you're in your glory, give us the best seats and the front seats with you. Jesus is going to die in a few days. And this is what you would ask of him? And somehow they just didn't figure out the way to discipleship is not the way of the world. It's strange that Jesus was showing them the cross and they were still looking at the world. You see, listen to that song. It says, the world behind me, the cross before you, and the world behind us. It's almost like they still didn't understand what discipleship meant or disciple-making meant. So Jesus calls them and tells them, look, I've been with you, but this is the way it goes for discipleship. He says, if you want to be the greatest, you must be the least. If you want to be the first, you must be the slave of all. And he explains the reason why. He says, for, that means he gives the reason, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Now, what, what is the Son of Man language? You know, the Son of Man language is a self-reference to Jesus. You can see that in Daniel chapter 7. It is the one who has authority over all. He has authority over heaven and earth. That's Jesus himself. He's saying, I have authority over heaven and earth, but even the one who has authority over all, God, Jesus is God. Even God who has authority, he did not come to be served in human flesh, but he came to be to serve others. And then he gives his life as a ransom for many. But he did not, so he went to the cross. They crucified him. He did not stay there. He rose from the dead. Yeah. And that gives us hope. Right. So as we see here, he gave his life as a ransom to those who would follow him. Could it be here, could it be that you're here today because your discipleship journey to follow him starts now? Not tomorrow. And imagine writing something on the wall saying, tomorrow I will follow him, and read it every day. Will that tomorrow come? But it starts now. The Bible says now is the appointed time. Today is the day of salvation. Or could it be that God wants you to step up out in faith and wants you to be a disciple maker? So if you have never repented, if you, ne if you have never trusted and put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's what the Bible says about you. You are made for God. You are meant to be in a relationship with God. But there's something that has happened terribly wrong with humanity. The Bible says sin has come into the heart. It has separated us from God. It has separated you from God. But you know, that is not just the full story. 
God is patient, loving, and kind, and just. But sin leads to judgment, wrath, and anger of God. But then God is patient. He wants you to come to him. You know what he has done? God has closed the gap. God has closed the gap in a way that he sent his own son. His son underwent separation so that you can be close to him. This was very hard. God stood in the gap. He was crucified, and he was raised again. So God wants you to see that he has put your sin before him, but he has put your sin before the cross. He has not left us without hope. And I can relate to my own life. I can relate to this. Years ago, I was a young man in the late teens. I was sitting in a, in a gospel meeting, a youth retreat, and I could, I, every year I would go to this retreat. And that message seemed like just, you know, I was having a hardened heart. And every year it would seem like you know, it had no effect on me. But one day the, the preacher said, young man, you have sin in your heart. You must get right with God. And that day it felt like I was trembling. I need to do something about my life. And many years after, and I saw that I needed to become a disciple maker too. And that day was one of the, the most, the best day of my life. But it was before the best came, there was sorrow in my heart. I was wrestling with my own heart. God broke me before he healed me. Are you ready to be broken by God today, dear friend? If you have never trusted in him, here's the good news. God has placed his son Jesus Christ before you and your sin. See your sin in the light of the cross that Jesus died for you in your place. Isn't that good news? It is for your sin. You know, I've been reading about a man who, who had been sinning and he, is, he was confronted by a prophet and he said, you have sinned against God. You know what his response was? He said, yes, I have sinned against God and God alone. And I want to read us a prayer that this man had responded to God. And maybe that, should, that ought to be your prayer. This was my prayer many, many times. And here's the prayer. It says, have mercy on God. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Do you want to be white as snow? Jesus' blood can do this. So if you're here today saying, I want to follow Jesus, would you come on up and pray with us? We would, want to, we would love to pray with you. You will be clean as white as snow.
What is stopping you? We made all the trip from Florida just for making disciples. Can you step up from your seat and come to Jesus? This is the time to come to Jesus, not tomorrow. Tomorrow is not promised, the Bible says. But today is the day of forgiveness. This is a place where punishment is not exacted. This is a place where forgiveness is granted freely for anyone who comes. Come to Jesus. And if you're one of those, I, I feel there are many of you here who are perhaps pondering about what was said this morning. And if you're thinking about discipling someone else, if you have someone in your heart that you want to disciple, come forward also. We'll pray with you. Jesus wants you to, God wants you to disciple that one person, that one that he has put on your heart. So we'll pray. As we pray, come on with us and join us. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness and your wonderful truth. You're in the business of making and creating a new heart. So create in us a new heart that we may be white as snow. Cleanse us from within. In Christ's name.